So good morning also from my side. Uh, special welcome to uh, the evening service people. Evening service. Yes, don't be shy. I know you're normally not shy. Yes, welcome. Let's welcome the younger crowd here this morning. Uh, so they are obviously here. Let me just get all the dates and the days right again. It's not Saturday next week. We have a special announcement next week, Sunday. And then this afternoon at 4 o'clock, you are all invited to the bride. Uh, and we're going to watch the, the match together here inside. Is this fine? A bit loud. <clears throat> That's just my nature. Um, so I hope you're just excited as I am about the match this afternoon, yes? yes? Rugby is just part of who we are. No, it's not a religion. I'm not preaching that. It's just part of who we are. It's in our blood. I don't know. Maybe you're one of those people that you follow the game. You don't know much about the rules uh, or the positions, but you just love watching. Anybody like that here? I know Johannes is also one of them. Yes. Uh, but then there's also the gurus. You know, the kites that know everything about the game. And so to try and discern who's who this morning, we're going to do a little competition. Women against the men. Yes? So we're going we're gonna to try and see, is the men the gurus or is the ladies the gurus when it comes to rugby? So there's a top deck and a nice little whole nut. Yaku, will you help me quickly? So ladies, here comes the first question. There's going to be a picture up behind me. Uh, there we go. Just uh, switch off the lights uh, here for them to see the picture. So ladies, listen carefully. Listen carefully. Which France is currently in France? France, Malherbe is in France. Give that lady the chocolate. Well done. All right, men. Time to redeem yourself. And so, easy question. Eh? It's France. All right, so, men, redeem yourself. 2019, who scored two tries against South Africa in the match between the All Blacks and South Africa in the pool? Pool match, two tries were scored. Who scored the two tries against South Africa? Men? Five. Four, three, two, one. Nope. So it was George Bridge. I see a lot of Google hands going up there. George Bridge and Scott Barrett. Sorry, ladies. This is the decider. All right, so listen to the question. What is the golden threat between all these pictures, ladies? Okay, let's try that again. There's a golden thread. Yes. They are all France. Yes. All right. So it's quite clear from this that uh, the ladies are the gurus when it comes to rugby. Yes. Woo! Yes. And so your understanding about the game influences how you view it. Yes. Imagine... You are an ex-player. Some of us still think current player. I tried to put on my rugby jersey this morning, and unfortunately it didn't fit, um, which is why I don't have it on. Um, but if you watch the game as an ex-player, 
versus somebody that has never played before. There is just a different experience about how you view that. Yes. And so here's the question. If I had to ask you this morning, what is your understanding of God? What would you say? Or why is that important? You see, your understanding of God influences how you view the world around you. We live currently in a day and age where wickedness and evil is just part of what is happening around us. Currently, um, children trafficking is the fastest growing international crime network in the world. In the world. Murder. It's just, it's just part and partial of, of what happens weekly when you open the newspaper. There's somebody else murdered again on a farm. Substance abuse. Corruption. And so your view of the world is determined about your understanding of whom God is. And so this is the question this morning. How does God view the world around us? And so you can open your Bibles with me as we look at that question this morning. And so my topic for today is a compassionate God. God is compassionate. We're going to read together from Jonah. You can open your Bibles with me. Jonah chapter 4. But before we read, let me just give you some context into this. Nineveh is a city, was the capital of the Assyrian nation. Now, the Assyrian nation was known as the most cruel, brutal nation in a day and age that it existed. It expanded its boundaries not just by means of war, but they try to see how cruel they can be to their enemies. And so one of the hideous things that they developed as a nation was the impaling of their enemies on wooden sticks. And so they would put these people alive on these wooden sticks. Some stages, like the picture behind me, thousands of people, thousands of enemies would be tortured and left to die. And so Nineveh was also known as the city of blood. The city of blood. And so here's the interesting fact. Today, the Syrian nation is known as Iraq. It's known as Iraq. And so God looks at what is happening here, and He is not happy. And so what does He see? He sees the cruelty of this nation. He sees the wickedness of this nation. And then he sends a word. He sends a word of warning, but also a word to tell these people to repent of their ways. And he does so through his servant Jonah. And so I'm not going to go into the whole, was it a fish? Was it a whale? Was he alive? Was he dead this morning? But we know that eventually Jonah ended up in Nineveh and he shared the gospel. This message that God gave him for the people specifically, the Assyrian people. And this cut them to the heart. And they turned from their wickedness. They turned from their wickedness. And God saw this and he forgave them. And so this is where we're picking up chapter 4 verse 1. But it displeased, displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said 
when I was yet in my country. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarsus. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should I and should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, who do not know their right hand from their left? And also, much cattle. Father, thank you that we can open your word now. And I pray that as we just study the scripture, God, that you will reveal just what it is that you see when you look at the world around us. In the name of Jesus, amen. And so we see that Jonah is angry. He's angry because God forgave these people, these wicked and evil nation. He's angry at God for this. God Can you not see what they are doing to your people? We know from just studying history in 2 Kings 14, where Jonah is also the prophet that goes to the king of Israel to give him a word. This word is in line with what the Assyrians did again to Israel. And so God, I'm angry because these people are wicked and evil. I want you to act according to the word that you gave me to bring to them. Which was the following. Listen to this. This was the actual word God gave him. In Jonah 3 verse 4 it says, Yet, this is Jonah speaking to them, Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This is the expectation of this prophet. Yes, this evil people. These people that keep on murdering and and taking children and trafficking children. People that are caught up in corruption. This is the time that God is going to sort them out. And yet we see God forgave them. God forgave them. Jonah had no love lost towards this people. And his expectation and desire was for God to be the same. To have no love lost and to act out against them. And so because of this anger, we see how he leaves the city. And goes to the east to sit on a hill. Now it's an interesting fact to note that. Sitting on a hill 
was not the interesting fact. The interesting fact is going to the east. If you study the Old Testament, you will see if it said somebody went to the east, it was normally associated with somebody that was trying to flee or were fleeing from God's presence. Adam and Eve, when they sinned and they were asked or told to leave the garden, they went to the east and lived to the east of Edom. Cain, after he killed his brother, went to the east. The people that tried to build the Tower of Babel, and God brought the confusion amongst them, they went and lived towards the east. And so we see because of his anger, because of his anger, angry at God for not being what he think God should be, for not trying to sort out these people that are oppressing Israel. He's angry. And so we see our Jonah's fleeing from God's presence. And so if you go and read chapter 1 and 2 and 3, you will see this is not the first time that he tried to do this. And so how does God react? God is compassionate. God is compassionate. And like a loving father, he pursues his son. He pursues Jonah. He goes to Jonah, being a compassionate God, to teach him what God's heart is for people and to show him the error of his own heart. And God does this by means of a metaphor. He appoints a plant. He appoints a worm. And he appoints a scorching, eastly desert wind. Interesting. In that moment, we see that God is sovereign over nature. That nothing is impossible for him. And yet, Jonah misses this. And so there's this conversation between a compassionate God, a loving father, and his son taking place. Jonah, I have given you this plant for your comfort. Even though you are angry at me. Even though you are angry at me for what is happening around you. I am still the one that is giving you comfort because I am a compassionate God. And Jonah, when I took the plant away, when the plant withered because of the worm that ate the roots of this plant, you became angry, Jonah, because you are more worried about your comfort than you are about people. You are more worried about your comfort, Jonah, than you are about people. You see, Jonah's misunderstanding or wrong understanding of whom God is made him look at the world in an ungodly way. When he looked at the world, he did not see what God, the compassionate God, is seeing. Which is why it is impossible to then try even remotely be able to imitate God. Listen to this. Ephesians 5 verses 1 to 2 says the following. Walk in love. Therefore, be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. 
We are called to be imitators of Christ. Jonah, you were called and you are called to be an imitator of me. But because you do not understand and because you do not see and because you do not believe what I see and what I believe, it is impossible for you to be an imitator. It is impossible for you to walk in a, in a way worthy of the calling. And so we are called to be imitators. If we look at our world that we are living in currently, we are called to be imitators of Christ. To show His mercy, to show His grace, to show by means of our conduct just His compassion for the world. Just His compassion for the world. God concludes His teaching, this teaching moment with Jonah in verse 11. Verse 11 says, And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. Jonah, should I not have compassion for Nineveh? Yes, I see the evil, but I also see 120 people. I see 120 people who do not know their right hand from their left, which is an idiom that says they did not know right from wrong. And so when we look at our world around us, we see a world that does not know right from wrong. And so God does, when he looks at it, what did God see? What happened in this moment? God saw the evil. God saw the wickedness of Nineveh. He did not miss it. Why? Because in chapter 1 verse 1 it says, And the word of God came to Jonah because of the evil that, of Nineveh that came before God. God wasn't blind. He saw the evil. But he also saw 120 people. That did not know right from wrong. When you drive around in your neighborhood, what do you see? And because God saw the wickedness, and because He also saw the people, He gave a word. He gave a word to warn them. He gave a, war, a word because He is compassionate. And He wanted in that moment for them to be cut to the heart. And to repent of their ways. This God that can appoint a worm. That can appoint a plant. And a scorching easily desert wind. He is able to wipe out Nineveh. With just this, the wave of his hand. But yet because he is compassionate. He saw the people. And he gave a word. And he sent a messenger. In the form of Jonah. To deliver this world. What is your understanding of God this morning? What is your understanding of God this morning? Your understanding will impact the way that you view the world around you. It will impact how you view people when you arrive at a barbecue this afternoon, wherever that may be. It will impact how you view the people when you go to work tomorrow or to class tomorrow or where it is that you go. Your view of God will impact 
what you see. What you see. And in Jonah's case, his inability to understand and to see God for whom he is, a compassionate God, led to him being judgmental. God, I am angry at you. How dare you save this people, these wicked and evil people? He became judgmental. When he looked at his neighbor, he became judgmental. When he looked at what happens around him, he became judgmental. And we also see he became passive. He became a passive spectator. He went out of the city to the east to sit on a hill to see what will happen of this people. Instead of being involved with God, instead of being in line with what God was busy doing in the city, he became a passive spectator in his world. And Jonah became more worried about his comfort than he was about 120,000 people, excluding the children, maybe being lost eternally. And so here's the question. How does God view our world? How does God view our world? God sees the evil. God is not blind. The corruption, God is not blind. That individual at work that is trying to push you down, God is not blind. The murders that are happening in our country, God is not blind. South Africa has the third highest crime rate in the world. God is not blind. But God also sees people who do not know their right hand from their left. And so that is why God gives. Gives a word. God gave His Son. His only Son. So that whom, those who believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God gives. And God gave His Son. And so when He sees what is happening around us, He is giving this word of hope. He wants us to, to, to bring this word to people so that they in that moment can understand right from wrong. Being able to choose for themselves. Because He is a compassionate God. He is compassionate about the world that we find ourselves in. Not the evil and the wicked, but the people. God sees and God gives and God sends. Today, God sends. God sends the Jonas. And so who's Jonah? Who's Jonah? I am Jonah. Let's do that together. Let's go one, two, three. I am Jonah. The last song we sang. For the sake of the world, Father, burn like a fire in me. For the sake of what you see, burn like a fire in me. For the people that are eternally lost, if they do not hear the word. If they do not hear the word. And so who will bring the word? Romans says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Yes, God can use a worm. He can use a plant. He can even use the wind. But in his wisdom, he decided 
to use us. Matthew 8, verse 36 to 38. It's Jesus sitting on the mountain. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. They did not know their right hand from their left. Then he said to his disciples, if you are a believer of Christ this morning, then you are a disciple. And so Jesus, when he saw the people, he spoke to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Do you believe that God is compassionate? Do you believe that God is compassionate? Do you believe that when God looks at this world around us, that there's a loving Father that sees people who are eternally lost? Do you believe God is compassionate? As a believer, what does your conduct say? As a believer, what does your conduct say? You see, when we read chapter 4, Jonah proclaims that God is compassionate, steadfast in love, merciful in grace. And yet, his conduct showed something different. What does your conduct say this morning? about what you believe of God and God being a compassionate God. God sees. God gives a word. And His word is that He gave His Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And God is looking at us this morning. And He's, he's asking as a loving Father, as a compassionate God, will you go? And so on your chairs this morning, you found, or hopefully found, this card there. This is a tool that we use as a church. It's called the Engage card. And the purpose of this card is if you open it, you will see open spaces there where you can write names down. You can write names down of people that you are trusting for, the Nineveh in your life. And so in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray and ask God, God, who's those people in my life? Who's the Nineveh in my life that I need to bring the word to? But before we get there, you just close your eyes. I just started preparing this word this morning, or this week. It was a moment where I just had to repent again. Of becoming so focused on my comfort. Even picking up a hint of being judgmental in my life. 
see, it will be impossible. It will be impossible to see Nineveh in the way that God sees it. If my heart is not aligned with Him. If my understanding is not that He is a compassionate God. And that His compassion is first and foremost for me. That I am a receiver before I am a giver. And if I'm sitting here and if you're sitting here this morning as a believer, then you are a receiver of God's compassion. I want to give you the opportunity maybe just to prayerfully come before Him this morning. Maybe just confess, like I had to do this week, that God... I have become judgmental. I have become a passive spectator. More worried about my comfort than I am about people being eternally lost. You take a moment. Father, this morning I come before you and we come before you. Father, I want to repent this morning together with those that are sitting here that my comfort is important, has become too important to me. That I've become too judgmental when I look at the things that are happening around me. And then in many ways that I've become passive. Pray, will you reveal your heart to us? Not just this morning, but throughout this week when we see things around us. Father, will you reveal your heart to us? Help us not to see the wickedness and evil. But help us to see past it and to see people. Help us to see people who are eternally lost because they do not know their right hand from their left. Father, it's my heart's cry that you will reignite the fire in every heart this morning. That when we go out from here daily, that we will be witnesses of a gracious and compassionate and merciful God. That we will share from our own lives 